Hello, friends. It's that time again. You know what time it is. Time to find your balls. I am your shaman. Although I don't know if I'm, I don't know. We'll talk about that. I don't know if oh, I'm, I'm all into that. You are the shaman. You're sticking with shaman? Yes, yes. Okay, we'll talk about that. Anyway, I'm Jeff Stuckey. I'm riding shotgun. Mm-hmm. Greg Allen, keeping it on the road. Greg, how are you this morning? I'm doing great today. And um, we have a question from a... Uh, a listener we want to jump into. Well, okay. I, no I fucking just, small talk. No. Just like, let's go. <laughs> That's right. I ain't got I'm time doing for just that. fine, Greg. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Jeff, how are you today? Yeah, fuck it. What's the <laughs> question? Okay. Well, people want to know more about the shaman. That's not their words, but something along the lines of who the heck is that guy and how does he know so much? <laughs> yeah, I bet that's exactly. Yeah, I'm How's paraphrasing. That guy know so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. Said no one ever. <laughs> anyway, so what we'd like to do today is um, I want to ask you some questions. And well, uh, you did. Who is that guy, and how does he know so much? Oh, we're going to elaborate on it. Yeah, gonna break that down. I'm okay. going to dig deeper into that. Oh, you, that's too open. Is this really what we're doing? Yes, yes. And I don't. You would talk two hours on how do you know so much. So I'm just going to ask you specific questions. So give like you a, a fucking setup. It, it is. I got. This is not what I thought we were talking about. <laughs> that's what makes it good. All right. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I feel very vulnerable right now. And as you know, I'm not a big fan of vulnerability. I like to tell other people to do it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of doing it myself, you know. Mm-hmm. I understand. You know that. how men struggle with vulnerable emotions. I do. I'm at the top of that motherfucking that, list. That's why you tell everybody else to get I know, to right? That's why I became a therapist. Why fix myself when I can fix other people? So, fuck. Now you turn this shit around on me. All right. Well, if I'm it helps. I'm sweating a little bit all of a sudden. Like, okay, here we go. We can always go to a break or I can give you the answers. Cool. Well, okay. I'll make some shit up. I don't mind doing that. All right. Well, we just want to get a start um, with your childhood. I, I'd like... You know, I don't really want a history or autobiography, but just a few of the key things that you think might have shaped you or that were fun in your childhood. Um, so grew up fat kid. So mm-hmm. I was a fat kid. So I got made fun of a lot. Um, fatty, fatty, two by four, <laughs> camped it through my garden door. Yeah. In hindsight, I don't know what the fuck they were talking about. And wish I would have said, if I could go back oh, yeah. to my younger self, I would say, what the fuck does that mean? That's right. That's but right. anyway, instead I got my feelings certain, went home and ate cookies. <laughs> um, so that that did mess with my psyche for a long, very long time. Athletics were very, I don't think they were important to me, but felt like they were supposed to be important to me. Mm-hmm. And so that that was there was some tension there between everybody's telling me that football is supposed to be the most important thing, those kinds of things. Um, and I really didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like football practice. Uh, games were fine, mostly just for the social value of it. Like you got to beat the football player. So that that created – Those two things created a lot of insecurity for me, the fat Mm. kid. And even when I kind of, I started playing sports a lot, so I wasn't the fat kid anymore, but I still, you know, there was kind of this feeling of the fat kid or some inadequacy or something like that. Uh, So that fucked with me a lot. And then I just, I couldn't care about athletics to the degree that I felt like other people were telling me I was supposed to care. Mm-hmm. So that created some 
conflict within me, like what's wrong with me that I'm not, you know, all those kinds of things. And then oddly enough, I think it was early on in high school, the speech and theater person took an interest in me for what I don't really know what it was, but I started getting involved in speech and theater. And that was the, that was a great source of fulfillment for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, was my introduction to public speaking. And I mean, public speaking is certainly one of my uh favorite things to do. So that also though came with a little bit of a conflict. Why do I care about, you know, speech and why do <laughs> I care about football and those kinds of things? Yeah. And then I remember like one year I went to the national finals um in humorous interpretation. I tell that story as often as I can. <laughs> yeah. Have I ever told you about the time? Yeah. My kids have heard it. Um so and that was kind of a tipping point for me. That really put me into a place where I was like, okay, what, what, what does this mean? What I'm, I'm really enjoying this and I seem to have some capacity for it. And so those, those were probably like meta kinds of issues growing yeah, up. Yeah. Um, I grew up very simple. Uh, we were not of means. We, I mean, we had enough, but didn't know that we were not of means or what, that yeah. even meant. Right, right. Um, you know, we we would leave first thing in the morning and come home at sunset. When I think about where we rode our bikes and like <laughs> and how long we were gone. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we'd be gone the whole damn day. Mm-hmm. And I guess my parents at some point I don't know, this is conjecture, I've never asked them, but just conceded that I was probably dead and like <laughs> but then I'd you know, like a stray dog would come back. I don't know, it's so weird yeah. to think about what parenting was like because if yeah. I don't get a text from my kid in like an hour, I'm like freaking out and shit, yeah. you know. Um it, it, you know, had family gardens, did shit like that. Mm-hmm. Would go out to my grandparents, go fishing. Um, and then like we'd literally catch bluegill, go get things out of the garden and my grandmother deep fried everything. So it's just Uh, like a, it's like (laughs) almost like going to long John Silver's or something. (laughs) Um, and you know, I remember started mowing grass when I was probably 10 years old, Mm -hmm. um, for five bucks a lawn. It's totally fucking underpaid. I should have renegotiated, but Mm -hmm. I didn't, and I didn't even like add in a cost of living increase. I just kept taking it. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I mean, at 10, when you get a $5 bill, you know, you're oh. like, I'm fucking tycoon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then probably one of the most significant things that happened that really changed the trajectory or challenged, I don't know exactly, but our family went through a pretty significant event. So my, my eighth grade year, I'm getting ready to go to high school, right? And there's like a lot of hype about what I'm supposed to do athletically. So I start my freshman year of high school, my first day, right? I'm, I'm supposed to go and be like this, like football stud. 
And instead, you know, and our family just was not equipped to deal with the any of it. And I don't usually like to say things like we did the best we could, but in that instance, we did the best we could, and I don't think it was very good. But that that affected me on a very deep level because I took total responsibility for that. Oh, no. That, you know, I'm 14 years old, so I'm trying to make sense out of this shit. And uh, that really became dealing with that emotionally became, and this is all hindsight because I, I didn't even realize, but I started having migraine headaches. I started, um, I even had like this compulsive throwing up thing, all of this kind of shit going on that I didn't even really tell anybody about because I didn't really, I just, I didn't know like, Oh, these are manifestations of stress and like that. So I went through a profound period of depression during that time. And my solution for dealing with that depression was drinking. Um, a buddy of mine stole a, stole a fifth of, uh, Jim Beam, I think it was, you know, because I still can't drink Jim Beam. (laughs) (laughs) We drank that shit straight, bro. (laughs) Oh, my God. And I just, oh, it was awesome until it wasn't awesome. And then when it wasn't awesome, (laughs) man, I was fucking throwing up forever. And and that kind of became a source of numbness where I could Mm -hmm. turn all of that off and... It's, it's funny because, you know, we were West Side, Evansville, Indiana, right? So mm-hmm. mental health wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's mental health? Um, not something that we had an awareness of. It's, right. not, and it, it, it's not to say that we didn't, you know, we were anti-mental health. It just wasn't even a thing right, that we right. knew to be aware of. Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't until... I started my graduate work that I realized that I was clinically depressed and had been for a very long time. Wow. And it, so that, you know, who knows that, that event probably directed the course of my life in many ways, mm-hmm. you know, on a more subconscious level. Yeah. Um, like not knowing, not knowing consciously that I needed even needed help, but subconsciously mm. there's just this sense of desperation that something is terribly wrong mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is or how to fix it. Yeah. Uh, and then once I, discovered that and then that there was a fix for it. That's when I became, that's when my passion for therapy, my passion for man-made for all of like helping men when we don't even fucking know we need help. That, that is what, that was hugely catalytic in where I am today. Yeah. Wow. That's tremendous. Now, when you were going through that, especially as a teen, were you thinking, I'm unique in that I have this issue or, or were you thinking other people are have issues? They're just different. I just thought I liked drinking. 
Okay. Honestly, I <laughs> mean, I, there was no deeper. It uh, just, I honestly thought that, oh, I just, if you would have asked the whatever, you know, yeah. 18 year old Jeff, I just said, no, man, I'm fucking fine. I just love drinking. Okay. And, uh, and I think there were some moments, you know, in, in, Alcoholics Anonymous, those kinds of things. They they talk about moments of clarity. And, uh, you know, I think there were moments to where there was like, something's off, man. Something mm. is really, really off. But I don't know what it is. I don't know how to fix it. Mm. And uh, so, hey, bartender, pour me another. Okay. So I had no, I had absolutely no awareness. You know, we've yeah. talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect where you don't know what you don't know. And I was like, yeah at a hundred on the Dunning Kruger. I just, I had a completely different narrative of, well, my grandfather was an alcoholic, so I'm probably going to be an alcoholic too. And you, and I'm not, I'm, I don't mean to, you know, minimize that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that for my circumstances, that was my narrative. And, you know, I had some other people in my family that liked to drink. And so I just thought that the, okay, that's, that's what it was. I had yeah. no clue that there was this, profound underlying mental health issue that needed needed attention yeah wow well that you just bypassed half a dozen of my next couple of questions That's right motherfucker i meant to <laughs> catch me off guard like that i'll go i'll go full into the vulnerability I, I, pool i did not expect that but thank you <laughs> so that takes us right into your uh, college tell us a little bit about where you went to school. Now we've heard a little about why, but open that up some more. Uh, I went to college because my high school girlfriend filled out my college application <laughs> yeah. and uh, went to IU and had no business being there. Um, mm. Was overwhelmed from the second that I arrived. Mm. It was like I became the fat kid again. Mm. It's like, okay, these people are – not not that not that I thought in these terms, but it's like, okay, these people all were in the line of the shit you need to get through life, and I was in the line of can't fucking help you <laughs> and and I was also clinically depressed, right yeah, so yeah. so my capacity to just orient was so compromised in terms of just socializing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had this hypersensitivity. I remember a buddy of mine who had joined a fraternity invited me to rush and meet the guys at his house. And I, I was sweated wet. I'm, <laughs> I sweat, it. I'm a sweaty guy anyway. Yeah. Uh, if I'm breathing, I'm sweating. But I'm saying like I'm, I'm there like in casual clothing and sweat is dripping off of my shorts <laughs> as if I'm playing a pickup basketball. Yeah, game. yeah. <laughs> and and had a little awareness of that. Mm-hmm. Like people were like, "Dude, what, what the fuck, man? Like, where? Oh, what? What do you mean, man? It's just so. It's just so interesting when I when I look back at those times, and then all of a sudden, like I graduated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You How the hell did that happen? <laughs> like, and then they make you leave when you graduate. Yeah. Miscalculation on my part. Um, <laughs> and I was lost. I had worked with a kid 
my mother was was heavily involved in uh, inner city work uh, back then in the I guess it would have been early '80s. It was called Christian Community Development, uh, and it was an attempt to mobilize Christianity and get Christianity involved in communities in need. And so I was very involved in that and met a kid um, by the name of Pierre uh, and coached him on a basketball team. And uh, it was an interesting kid, man. He was uh, <laughs> he was like a Great Dane puppy, you know? <laughs> Like he just so full of love, but just didn't know how big he was. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he would just run you over and like, <laughs> bro, let's, uh, and, uh, and he had this enthusiasm about him. It was just almost like this, this boundlessness. And I remember mm. like the, the basketball team that he played on was, it, it was socioeconomically diverse, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And he was on the lower end of that continuum Mm -hmm. and in a very positive way, just seemed oblivious to that. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember just being struck by that anyway. So at the time while I was at IU, uh, I was, it was called SPIA, the school of public and environmental affairs. Uh, and I was, I, hell, I didn't know what that meant, but it was like, but something. <laughs> and uh, I had an internship. I was getting ready to do an internship. That would have been awesome. God, missed opportunity. Anyway, I, they there's a place in the IU library where they have like just hundreds of subscriptions to um, newspapers. Mm-hmm. And the Evansville newspaper was one of them. And I went down one day to avoid studying and <laughs> looked. And on the front page, Pierre at I think he was 14 at the time had raped an elderly woman and was tried as an adult and sentenced to an adult penitentiary for like 80 years or something. And I remember reading that and having this like, just sort of this mini existential crisis. I mean, to the degree that you can when you're 20 years old thinking, okay, what, how did this happen? And what, what am I, what am I doing? Like, what is, what is my life really? um, I don't know what SPIA is. What, how do I make a difference? You know, that sort of thing. Anyway, so next day went and changed my major to criminal justice. Um, with the intent of going into juvenile probation, which I did spend a stint doing that. And so that just kind of redirected my path of, you know, what, what, what does my life really mean? Now it wasn't the right fit for me being a juvenile probation officer because uh, I'm not a good rule follower. Um, (laughs) And, uh, it, it just, I couldn't connect to kids as well as I can to other uh, demographics. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, then that just kind of started started me questioning what, 
what what's the next thing yeah so did were you able to figure out what to go in next uh, without another existen- existential crisis <laughs> uh, it's a weird story uh, lots of twists and turns so i went on this missions trip <laughs> to <laughs> africa wow yeah and not that that's a bad thing but it, it's a weird fucking story so then it, africa is very these are my words. I don't know. I'm not. I'm trying to describe it as best as I can. But even in the the Christian um, orientation, at least the people that we were around are very mystic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, interpretations of dreams, um, callings, all of those kinds of things, right? Yeah. And uh, so, go on this mission trip, and the host of the trip says tells me that I should go to seminary and I don't even know what seminary is. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, thank you. That's very kind. So my parents also happened to be on that trip. And so he told, so in, in other side societies, uh, they actually respect wisdom and age. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. I mean, there's a novel idea. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he told my parents that, you know, and again, from this sort of mystic orientation that God had spoke to him and that, oh, dude, once that shit happens, yeah. right? And yeah. then we come back from that trip and then word gets out, you know, that Jeff has been called to seminary. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, fuck, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I ain't doing anything else, so I guess I'll, get, I guess I'll go see what this seminary thing is. Um and at the time, I only knew of one seminary because the church that we were attending was uh, most of the staff went to that seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Dallas Theological Seminary. And so I went, ended up going there. It was horrible. Um, but they had a master's in counseling program. Yeah. And so that like and this was probably more subconscious at the time than conscious but that was like oh looky there mm-hmm. you know yeah. what's that little pearl yeah um and so that the seminary experience is interesting because i would say that that started my separation from religion mm-hmm. um and there's lots of reasons for that but i found that to be uh, a very toxic environment for me. Uh, it just wasn't, it, it just was, I, re- I remember uh, taking a class there and from there, these, I mean, they're almost like demigods, you know, there's like these professors there that are just like so revered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I, I tried to take as many classes from those guys and the one guy taught this class called Bible study methods. I swear he told the same fucking joke every day. <laughs> okay. And like we laughed, <laughs> not me yeah. every day. Like it was fucking, first of all, like it was funny. Yeah. And second of all, like we didn't hear it yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm in a fucking cult, man. Like somebody <laughs> tell this man anyway, but in the other class, right? So I put all this effort into this assignment and I don't even remember what it was. Um, but I, I really wanted learning actually 
my depression was kind of diminishing to a degree, mm-hmm. largely because um, the birth of my first child oh, uh, was a profound antidepressant and just woke me up to a deeper meaning in life. So I really learning, my brain started fucking working again. And I was like, shit, man, I got some stuff up in there. So anyway, I put all this effort in this assignment. Motherfucker's like 10 pages long or something. I get it back and he writes on it satisfactory. That's it. Oh, no, no comments. No, fucking satisfactory. (laughs) That's it. And (laughs) damn it, where the staple is. Fucking no fold. There was no goddamn fold uh, or nothing. <laughs> you turned right? it in. It was thick enough. You got I it. guess. So I walk <laughs> up to this dude and I'm like, uh, hey there, I'm new to the game. Like I just, I was just kind of curious maybe if I could get a little bit more feedback on <laughs> satisfactory. Like, <laughs> and he's like, he looks at me and I knew right when he looked at me like, <laughs> oh shit, man, this is going really bad. Yeah. And he's like, well, I've only been teaching this class for 50 years. And in the 50 years that I've been teaching this class, no one's ever said that the way that I grade is inadequate. But now you're here to show me that I'm inadequate in grading papers. <laughs> so I'm like, never mind. I get, I go to the fucking back. Okay. <laughs> so I go sit at my desk or whatever. Well, the motherfucker ain't done, man. Oh no. <laughs> so the class and there's probably, I don't know, 300 people in there. So apparently <laughs> I'm like, dude, that's when I'm like, if these are the Christians, bro, I'll take my chances like some other playing field, but that's where my passion for therapy was born. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've said this, you know, Dr. Les Carter was my clinical supervisor and one of the most wonderful, wonderful men that I've ever had the privilege of having an association with, but to have him deeply care about me as an individual, but also developing my craft as a therapist, Mm -hmm. that, that was, that was the single most significant event professionally in my life to that point. Mm -hmm. And it was under his guidance because it, Seminary was just, seminary became the means to the end. This is going to get me to where I can get my license mm-hmm. and I can start practicing. Yeah. Uh, but Dr. Carter taught me the craft of being a therapist. Okay. And he saw the kind of therapist that I could be mm-hmm. and would not let me settle for less than that. Yeah even when I got uncomfortable, because when I first started practicing, uh, even though I'm three times this size, I was just <laughs> a mini me of, of Dr. Les Carter and, and which was very true to who he was, but it just was not me. And he kept pushing me, Jeff, be the therapist that you're supposed to be. There are people that need the kind of therapist that you can be. And, and that was, you know, it, which, 
was pretty catalytic, as you and I've talked about in the past, you know, the adapted self, the authentic self, and that journey to the authentic self. Mm -hmm. He was profoundly catalytic in helping me realize my authentic self um, and that I had, I had something to give. Yeah. Uh, and so that really right there was in terms of my, my professional growth, just kind of my philosophical orientation, that, that was a, a literal 180 for me. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, you know, you, you brought up something about being passionate about helping people because you had been through some things and saw, well, there's a solution for this. And you had the, um, the talent for it. And it seemed like that happened in high school with the drama and speech idea. And it happened in college. And I mean, that's just a great thing that those things had a cross section (laughs) and you capitalize on it. Um, and, and the fact that you keep doing that and, and the cool thing, and I can say this, so I know this is you supposed to be answering questions, but, (laughs) uh, is, is that you have your own way of doing it. You know, sound like Les Carter helped push you into that. Um, to where not everybody would be a suitable client for you. Oh, <laughs> believe me. You, you say that first. There off. is a consumer <laughs> warning label. And I do, I, in my informed consent, yeah. I am very, very clear that I am not the right therapist for everybody. Yeah. And there are people who respond very well uh, to me, and there yeah. are people who don't. Yeah. And I'm not vanilla. You know, I'm just, right. I'm not vanilla. I'm, I'm pretty pungent and yeah. you either, you know, you, you like the taste or you do not like the taste. Yeah. And, and that, I think that that's what I, I will always, he's probably told me a thousand times, call him less. And I just can't, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no, Dr. Carter, yeah. you know, that's where Dr. Carter would not, he, he wouldn't relent. Oh, you're not vanilla, bro. Oh, he was one that pushed you that. Okay, yeah. that's good. Just yeah. be who you're supposed to be as a yeah. therapist. Well, that allowed you to be who you needed to be to the people who need you. It right. may be a small group, but they really need you. Right. Yeah. And well, that then helps me understand better, which I mean, I'm more and more getting a grip of why a man-made's byline is good guys who drink and cuss a little. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because it's not going to appeal to everybody. It's not going to work for everybody. But the people that it will work for you know, the, the principles of man-made, um, I mean, they're very needed by the people that need them. Right. And so you're... And that was one of the things for me, you know, just because, you know, my ethos was religion. And to be religious was to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And once I got to the place where I realized that, Religion just, it does not work for me. And, but I want to be a good person. Yeah. I want to, I want to be someone that contributes something Mm -hmm. positive Mm -hmm. to this time that we have in existence. Yeah. And that's where, and I didn't really give that a lot of thought initially, but then I did start to realize what a crisis that was for me that, well, now, you know, if I'm not a religious person, then I can't be a good person. And, but then as I started to have conversations with men 
and finding out that a lot of guys just, it wasn't helpful. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear about what I'm saying there because it would be cool. I think church is a profoundly important concept. I think that society needs church more than ever. I think it needs smaller churches that pull people in the same community together mm-hmm. closer. I think the concept of singing together, although I'd seen sing Mellencamp songs at my church, <laughs> um, you know, is is such an emotionally bonding experience. I think even, you know, communion, even though I wouldn't view it the same way, but the breaking of bread Mm -hmm. together, the unity that is created in all of that, that that is encompassed in a church or whatever religious, you know, your version of that is. Mm. But these, these places where people gather and unify are profoundly important. And if I could go there and no one give a shit about anything other than I wanted to be there, I wanted to sing the songs, I wanted to break the bread, I wanted to unify communally with the people around me, I'd go, I'd get up on a Sunday morning for that. Right, right. But it doesn't seem like that's an option. You know, it seems like there's, and I'm now in your playground, so mm-hmm. you can give me feedback, but but I don't, if I don't believe the exact right thing, or if I don't condemn the exact right people, or if I don't stand for this or against that, or it seems like that's the price of admission. Mm-hmm rather than the urgency of us unifying mm-hmm. around good, mm-hmm. doing good, loving one another, all of those kinds of things. And that's really I miss that. Yeah. I mean I could go to a I could go to a church service and sing some of those hymns. Um now again, would they mean they, would they mean the same thing to me? No, but just the camaraderie and the nostalgia and just yeah. all the familiarity of that and singing that with people that I really have have and continue to do life with. Mm-hmm. Build that fucking church, bro. <laughs> wow. Giving me chills. And stop hitting me up for so much fucking money. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, that's a different thing. All right. Well, I think our uh, listeners have gotten to know a lot of technical things, and I know you will be upset with me if I don't ask you one question along these lines. Oh, okay. Uh, so maybe we'll close Thank with you this. for preventing that. Yeah. Oh, I don't want any right, upsetness right, right, right. going on. Okay. So tell us uh, one of your favorite bourbons. You know, something you think you might like to have this weekend if you had a choice. Dude, if it's got bourbon uh, in the label, then, (laughs) um, you know, I am, I don't have the most sophisticated palate as it comes to bourbon. 
Um, so, you know, you could put one in front of me and I, you know, it, my go-to is Evan Williams. Um, Mm. and the reason it's my go-to is I find it delicious and, uh, it's pretty cheap. Uh, and when you drink a lot of bourbon, that's kind of a priority. Um, (laughs) but I'm on, I am on a bit of an angel's envy kick. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the secret that I have found for bourbon is on the rocks, and you got to let it sit. You can't rush it. Okay, right? you got to give it about ten minutes to really just let some kind of shit happen. Been to some bourbon tastings. They've explained the thing. I don't remember because yeah. I have a short attention span. But you do that, and it's fucking magical. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd say, you know, if, if I were forced to pick a base, my base right now uh, would be. Angel's Envy, although my sister-in-law is getting me some this weekend called uh, Redneck. <laughs> okay. And so I'll report back on to how delicious the Redneck is. Okay, thanks. Well, I really appreciate you opening up and being vulnerable. I know. Yeah, thanks a lot, Greg. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. <laughs> well, our listeners needed to see that there's something behind the shaman other than just a, a big mass of wisdom. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to call my therapist and set up another <laughs> session to deal with the trauma of this. Okay. Well, uh, let's uh, ask our listeners to uh, subscribe, to uh, check us out on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, any th- why don't you tell us goodbye? Tell everybody goodbye. <laughs> uh, yeah, if anything, I, I don't. I it's it's difficult as a therapist because self disclosure is something that uh. um like we're really like no you're you know you're but if if anything that I have said has struck you in any way and you have any more follow up questions that you want to ask if somebody can benefit I work with a lot of younger therapists helping them kind of just develop. And I, I always tell them I've fucked it up every way that it can be <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. So if I can keep you from fucking it up some of those ways, uh, that'd be awesome. Same thing. If there's anything that I've said that can be better elaborated on, um, hit me up. Glad to share anything that might be useful. And always uh, thank you for listening. And we will see you again soon. Mm-hmm.